0: Psalms 11 this morning and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number one and I hope you're glad to be here this morning and I hope you're excited about hearing the word of the Lord and uh, I love the Bible don't you and uh, I've been raised my whole life uh, to believe the Bible to that that the Bible that I'm holding right here is the word of God Um, I want you to know this morning that we're hypocrites if we have more faith on what's written on the outside of the Bible, than we have in what's written on the inside of the Bible. Uh, and you'll get that maybe before tonight, but I know a lot of people, that they'll stomp, spit, and holler, and uh, they'll fight over this King James Bible, but they don't know a thing that it says. And I don't want to be that way to you. Psalms 11 this morning, uh, in verse number 1, if you're able and willing, would you stand with me? I respect the Word of God. Simple thought again this morning. And um, I pray that it will be a blessing to you. I believe it's very applicable, though, to the times in which we live. The Bible says this, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed... What can the righteous do? Father, I pray You'd help me right now to preach the Word of God. Lord, I'm not fit. Lord, I'm not able to stand here without You. Lord, I'm thankful that, Lord, when You breathe upon us, Lord, You can speak through us, and I pray that You would today. I pray, Father God, that as I preach, You'd preach. I pray that there'd be a spirit of fear and conviction here for the lost. And I pray for the saint of God that might be here, that we'd all be challenged Lord, I thank You, Lord, already for speaking to my heart. I thank You for the songs we've heard. I thank You, Lord, for the truth that we've heard through the songs. But I pray now that the truth would be preached in a way that it's clear and transparent and understandable, Lord, for the youngest to the oldest and everyone in between. Pray that not one person would leave here and not having heard Your voice this morning. Lord, we love You now, and I thank You for this privilege I have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You be seated. Psalms 11 and verse 3, the Bible says this, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? If you study these Psalms uh, in this book of Psalms, I've preached from them quite a few times here at the church, but I don't know if there is any psalm that I've ever read, Brother Larry, when, that when I read it, it didn't seem like it was written for me and it was written for right then. I believe that this book of all the books in the Bible is the most personal of all the books. These are songs, we know that, that were written, but they were written by men and written from uh, experiences in their life. And when you read the Psalms and you sing and you study the Psalms, it's, it's so um, enlightening, I guess you could say, to read and study the background of the Psalms. And uh, you know, David wrote the majority of the Psalms in the Word of God. Did you know this? And, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. David's name is mentioned more in the Bible than Jesus' name. Now I'm not saying David is more important than Jesus, but I'm just saying David has a prominent place in the Word of God. Amen. David was a type of Christ. Do you believe that? He was the shepherd of Israel, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was uh, the God's chosen king, and one day Jesus is going to sit on David's throne. Amen. Uh, he's of the root of, of the tribe of Judah, of the root of, of David. So I, I, I don't want to tell you that David's more important, but I want you to know that God thought a lot of David and had a lot to say about David. Now, if you study David's life, it really can be broken down into basically four sections in his life. You can look at his life when he was out there in the country where uh, he was a shepherd and where he was uh, God was molding, developing him to be a king and. That was the first portion of his life till he's about 18 years old, 19 years old. That's where uh, he was at there for his father Jesse and around his brothers. And that was the, 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 I guess you could say, that was the formidable formidable years of his life where he became the king. Listen, I want you to know this morning that God is preparing all of us to do a great work with our lives. He is. And then you have the the times of his life where you could say he was in the cave where he was running for his life. Not once, but twice. He had to run from Saul. He had to run from Absalom. He stayed in the caves. He hid in the caves. And uh, during those times, we have some sweet psalms that were written like uh, Psalms 100, I believe, and uh, 42, where He says, Why art thou cast down? Oh, oh, my soul, why art thou cast down within me? Why art thou... I mean, those were some trying that God used that in David's life. Times where He was running for His life. And then, you've got the times that was off with the crown where He was the king. Where He was the king. You know, the first... I I want to say the first eighteen years he was on, or the first seven years he was the king in Hebron, uh, but they had not yet accepted him in Jerusalem. And then he come down to Jerusalem and he become the king of the entire nation of Israel. He led them into victory. He led them uh, into battle. There was a time of peace, a time of rest. He brought the ark of the covenant back. Uh, I mean, it was a hard time in his life. But Psalms 11 was written in the times when he served in Saul's court. Now I want you to know of all the times of David's life, there were none more uncertain than when he served in the court of Saul. You may say, why is that? Because each day he did not know the Saul that he was going to be dealing with. Every day he would get up. One day Saul would love him. And Saul would treat him like a son. The next day, Saul would try to kill him and treat him like a David, he was away from home. He was. And by the way, it was not David's fault. David did nothing that, that, that deserved this. The only thing David did was serve God and be the man that God wanted to be. And you know the story how there was an evil spirit upon Saul because he became jealous of David and began to eye David and began to uh, try to 11 times. You can read about in the Word of God that Saul tried to kill him. He tried to nail him with a spear against the wall. He tried to send his soldiers to kill him. He tried to entrap him. He tried to falsely accuse him. All I'm saying is that's when he wrote this psalm while he was serving in Saul's court. It's a lot like the times we live in now. Have you thought about this? We really don't know what tomorrow's going to be. I mean, it's such a time of swift transition. It's such a time of up and down. It's such a time where huh, we don't underst- We don't know. Uh, it's very unstable and unsettling, uh, the climate that we're living in. But David looked at this, and he said in Psalms 11 and 3, he said, If the foundations be destroyed, uh, what can the righteous do? And I want to preach on that for a moment this morning on what can the righteous do. That word foundations in verse 3, it means the pillars. You know that in Bible times they build uh, buildings and they build uh, uh, monuments and they build structures on pillars. And he says here, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Uh, We as the children of God, David as a child of God was seen around him and it seemed like all the foundations, the pillars uh, that he had built his life upon, that he had built his faith upon, that he had uh, been raised upon as a young man, it seemed like they were falling apart and falling down. I want you to know this when we look around, uh, we see the foundations of this nation that we live in. I want you to know I believe America is the greatest nation there's ever been on the face of the earth. In the short time, we've achieved greater feasts than any other nation ever has. Uh, We've advanced and we've done more good for the world uh, than any other nation has. Oh, we've gone places and given people freedom and given them safety uh, that they don't even, that we've never met them. But I want you to know, we know this today, uh, the pillars are crumbling around us. The Word of God has been removed. The home, I thought about the pillar of the home. The pillar of justice and judgment in this country is gone. Lady Justice no longer has a blindfold on. Uh, But she judges with a bias and influence and the elites of America are are pulling the cords of justice and they're influencing our judges. There used to be a time where a man or a woman, uh, they could say, I want a day in court. I'm innocent. I'll prove my innocence. I want a day in court. I want you to know the days that we live in, uh, a day in court does not mean you're going to get justice. The pillar of marriage. Think about that. I don't know if there's. Ever, I don't believe there's ever been a time in our country's history where marriage was at a, in a worse state than it is now. Children are growing up in a home without mom and daddy. Babies are killed every day under the guise of a woman's choice, and it's called birth control. The moral fiber of America has come apart like a cheap sweater. The foundations are being destroyed. I've thought about this all week long. I've been meditating on this. And you know, it seems as a preacher, I can only—I—I I, I can't see it through anybody else's eyes. All I can do is look at things through my own eyes, and it seems like there's this black hole, or there's this uh, vacuum effect that's going on. And it seems like day by day, brother Justin, that there's just one more thing that's sucked out of my hands, and there's one more thing that I grew up believing and knowing and holding on to, and it's gone. And, 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 and it almost there comes a place where you just throw up your hands and say where well, will it stop? Or will it ever stop? I mean apostasy and apathy in our churches is rampant. There's a coldness among the people of God and there's no longer shouts of praise and testimonies to the glory of God but we're too uh, enamored by the world and we're too in love with the world that we're show up at church Oh, we're just waiting to get out and get on to the next thing but I want you to know this morning if every foundation is destroyed the foundation of God standing sure amen oh, that listen that the Lord knoweth them that are his and we can the righteous can stand without the foundations of this world real quickly I want, I want to clarify this what can the righteous do what makes a man righteous? So let's understand that. I'm not going to read it because of the sake of time, but you read it in Romans chapter 4, and verse 1 through 8. It tells us what made David righteous. David was not righteous because he killed Goliath. David was not righteous or considered or called righteous by God because he served the king of Israel. David was not righteous because... He was skilled in playing a harp and singing. He was not righteous because of his loyalty to his father and his obedience and subjection unto him. David was not righteous because of anything he had done. The reason David was righteous is because David had put his faith in God Almighty and because of his faith, just like Abraham uh, in Romans chapter 4 and 1, It compares Abraham and David and the Bible says, blessed is him unto whom the Lord will not impute iniquity and David had the imputed righteousness of God Almighty because he had put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. That's what the Bible teaches. So I'm saying this morning, you're not righteous because you do right. You're righteous because you've been made right. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Here it is. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Did you know on the cross Jesus was made sin for us so that I might be made righteous in Him? He took all our bad, Brother Larry, and gave us all His good. He took away everything that was wrong about me and put in everything that was right about him. He took away all my unholiness and put in his holiness. And so I want you to understand that you can only be considered righteous if you've been saved by the grace of God. But don't you to see in this verse that we read? Quickly, what can we do? Have you thought about that? What can we do? We can't fight. And riot, that's not what God's called us to do. We're called to be peacemakers. Like it or not, we're called to give the gospel to win the lost, not kill the lost. There's too many people want to... I mean, listen, now I understand as a man, as a woman, we have the obligation to protect our family, our children. uh, But this business of of taking up arms and getting into some some supposed war, listen, God's called us, uh, the Lord's given us the gospel, and we're to win the lost. We're not to war with the lost. And we're to love the lost, not to contend with them. I mean, listen to me this morning. What good is it if you win that argument on Facebook, but that person dies goes to hell I mean think about that and the church of the living God has not been called uh, to take up arms uh, and to go out and execute people and to to attack and to fight we're called to win people and to love people and to tell people that Jesus saves uh, that God is alive uh, that mercy and grace is available uh, that they can go to heaven when they die that's what the church has been called to do we're no better than the Catholic Church when we go to trying to enforce righteous, enforcing our beliefs, enforcing enfor- our... That's, I'm telling you, you can look at me funny cross some of you are right now, I really don't care. I know that makes you mad when I say that, but you're nothing more and you're just like the Catholics when you try to force your beliefs on other people. <laughs> anyway, But what can the righteous do? What can we do? We can't fight, we can't kill, we can't. What can we do? The Bible tells us in verse one, and the Lord put I my trust. And the Lord put I my trust. I'll tell you what we can do is we can exercise faith. David was in this chaotic time, David was in this confusing time. Uh, David was in this uncertain time in his life where he didn't know if Saul was going to love him or hate him or attack him or feed him. He didn't understand. He didn't know what was going to happen. He said, but I know one thing I can do. He said, I can put my trust in the Lord. He said, I can still exercise faith. Amen. That faith had brought him from being a shepherd boy up to a member of the king's court. And he said, it does not matter what foundations may crumble beneath me. He said, I'm going to put my trust in him. This this want You to know Joe Biden can't keep you from trusting God. The United States government can't keep you from trusting God. And nobody you can exercise faith no matter what. David said, I'm still gonna trust him. I believe these times we're in is a trying time. And I believe it's I believe God's in control. And I believe that what God's doing is He's purging the church. You can believe that if you know, if you want. My Bible says that he pur- they purchased everyone. We're finding out today that, listen, we cannot do this and we cannot do that. We're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to do that. You shouldn't go here. You can't go there. I want you to quit worrying about what we can't do. Let's focus on what we can do. I'll tell you what we can do. We can put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and say, the God that we trusted before all this mess, we're going to trust in this mess. David said, the God that kept me out there in the wilderness within bears and lions, that same God will keep me. Here with this crazy king that God that delivered Goliath into my hands He'll deliver this in my hands as well Amen. look at this the direction of trust He said in the Lord capital L-O-R-D that's Jehovah that's the self-existent eternal God Exodus 3.14 and God said to Moses I am that I am Amen that's the direction of our trust why would you put your trust in something that's transient? Something that's that's passing away? Something that can fade away? Uh, something that can die away? Something that can crumble away? He said, listen, David said in the Lord, not Saul, not Jesse. Uh, he didn't put his trust in his calling. He didn't put his trust in his anointing. He said, I'm putting my trust in the self existent eternal God uh, that lives by himself and without the help of it. I want you to know this morning there's nothing that I can bring to God that he doesn't already have. Uh, listen, there's no holes in God's armor. Uh, listen, there's no... What I mean is he is eternal itself and selfish and listen, we should put our faith in him. Amen. The direction of our trust, the decision of trust. He said, and Lord, why put on put my trust. Put. That word put means to push in action. We have to activate our faith. There's a decision has to be made. David said, "I've made the choice that I'm going to trust in Jehovah." I, I, it's a cut. Listen, I do not believe you just go to bed a doubter and wake up a believer. It's not, you know. I know what the Calvinists teach, and I disagree with them. It's not something that just overwhelms you. <laughs> you know, you don't just go to church lost on your way to hell and doubting God, enough, and then God just all of a sudden force you to believe and trust. There's a decision. David said, I'll put my trust. What it means is to push forward, to activate, to set in motion. He said, I'm going to set my faith in motion. I want you to know tonight, today, that by trusting the Lord, we can get more done. We can accomplish greater things. We can be greater people, men and women of God. If we'll put our faith in motion, That if we use all of our intellectual ability and all our financial resources and try to scheme and, and, and try to come up with all these strategies and play. listen to me there's more good done by just putting our trust in him right. Right. look at this the delight of trust the word put my trust means to flee for refuge to make refuge David said I'm going re- to run and hide in God that's where I'm going to hide and I want you to know this morning, you think, and you maybe you've been watching a lot of YouTube this week, and you think you can just turn off that uh, locator on your phone, and they ain't going to find you. I guarantee you they know where we all are. Yeah. I guarantee you. They probably know more about me than I know about myself. And, and Brother Justin, there's times where we wonder, how can I get away? How, we, there's nowhere to hide, there's nowhere. Uh, there used to be a time where uh, you could come to the house of God and it was a safe place, it was a refuge, but now we've got so much of the world creeping in and infiltrating our church and the church of the living God, uh, but even the church sometimes uh, is not a place of refuge uh, but David said, "In the Lord I'll trust he was saying, I'm going to hide in him I'm going to rest in him I'm going to find shelter in him I'm going to, amen, He's what he was saying is, uh, I'm going to Put my trust in Him. Amen. There's a whole lot of people that have trusted the government and the government failed them. Many have trusted in a spouse and their spouse failed them. Many have trusted in a preacher and the preacher failed them. Many have trusted in a church and the church failed them. But me, no one ever has or ever will put their trust in the Lord and He failed them. He cannot fail. Amen. So I'm saying, what can the righteous do? We can exercise faith. Verse 1, he says, Flee as He said, How say to my soul, Flee as a bird of the mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the stream that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. The foundation restored. What can the righteous do? I want you to notice this. Number 2, what can the righteous do? What can we do? We must exercise faith. Then, verses 1 through 3, he sees, we say we must endure the fight. We're in a fight. I want to remind you the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not Glocks and Sigs and Springfields and ARs and AK. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I want you to listen to this. But they are mighty through God. That's what the Bible says to the pulling down of strongholds amen don't you know Jesus said in Ephesians you say well I thought Paul no Jesus anyway the Bible says in Ephesians 6 he says having done all to stand uh, he said stand therefore having the Lord and screw about truth having on the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith Uh, and listen have your feet shod but that's the weapons of our warfare it's the breastplate of righteousness the the breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith the sword of the spirit the helmet of salvation and the gospel of Jesus Christ that's all but not you to know we're in a fight That's a, we're in a war we are amen we are yeah. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we do wrestle I believe almost sometimes it would be easier to fight a physical battle than to fight a spiritual battle notice the words of the enemy he says how say ye to my soul flee as a bird to your mountain there are people around David who were whispering in his ear saying you ought to run. Run and hide. Run and hide. And oh, don't you know David knew where he could run and hide? He knew that country better than anybody else. Sometimes I ponder on that. What if it does break loose? What if it does hit the fan, so to speak? What if it does get, you know, I I mean, I know some places I could go. I could take my family. I probably wouldn't even know how to find myself if I was there. But I think about David here, and he's pondering this, and they're saying, go, run through the mountain. And David's thinking, that's not where God wants me. God wants me right here. He wants me right here where I am. I want you to know this morning, we can't run and hide. Amen. Amen. The answer is not to run away. That's what the enemy wants us to do. That's what the devil wants us to do. That when all this began, you can believe what you want, back in the early, late 60s, them preachers were right. They were right. When they said Elvis Presley and the Beatles, when they said they're going to turn this country to into hell, they were telling it right. When they brought in that music and that ideology and that free sex and smoking and drugs and all that, it polluted. And when they took prayer out and the Bible out, you know what a whole bunch of Christians did? They said, we're going to run and hide. And that's exactly what they did. Like it or not, that's the facts. It's we're just going to run and hide We're going to run and hide our children we're going to run. But there's only one problem with that We're the salt of the earth We're the light of the world And when you take the salt out When you take the light out It just gets worse and worse and worse And corrodes and decays and corrupts I want you to know The church of the living God Has never been called to run and hide It's been called to stand on the word of God Like a city set upon a hill and setting out the light And saying we believe the Bible And we'll stand on it That's what the enemy wants. The words of the enemy, the ways of the enemy. He said this. They bend their bow. They make ready the arrow upon the string. That they may privately shoot at the upright heart. That word privately means in the darkness. I got news for y'all. The devil don't fight fair. And did you know that now everybody has got the ability to shoot Privately. They can hide behind a screen. They can hide behind a phone. Yep. They can hide behind. I, I mean, they, what I mean to say is the ways of the end, they're deceitful. they direct, they take aim. Don't you to know if you're saved, you've got a target on your back? Look at verse 3 the wants the foundation be destroyed. What do, the, what do the enemy want? They want to destroy the foundation. The wicked want the pillars. On which we stand to collapse. This morning, I want you to know we got to endure the fight. Paul said, Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Lay hold upon eternal life. The Bible said over there in uh, 2 Timothy 2, he said, No man the worth entangling themselves with the affairs of this life, but it may please him that's chosen him to be a soldier. Amen. That's what the Bible says. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Oh, listen, this morning, we got to fight. Listen, this is not a game we're in. This is not some type of a a drama or play or a a TV show or movie or series on Netflix. This is reality. We're living in in the real world. We're fighting a real enemy. It's not time to run. It's time to stand and say, I'm going to fight. I may die fighting, but I'm going to fight. Amen. (laughs) Amen. verse 4 and 5 he says this for the Lord is in his holy temple the Lord's throne is in heaven his eyes behold his eyelids are tried the children of men the Lord tryeth the righteous but the wicked the him that love violence his soul hateth what can the righteous do when you have faith I'm going to ask you this morning do you have more faith right now than you've ever had before do I have more faith well, if my faith is not growing, then guess what? My faith is doing, it's dying. And I need to be in the altar. We can endure the fight. We don't need to quit the first time we hear a bullet. You know what I'm saying? We don't need to quit. We don't need to be on that line the cowardly line and the wizard of oz. I mean, we don't need to be that type of Christian. The Bible says the wicked fleet when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as lions. I want you to know our Baptist faith is not... We, didn't, we don't have our Baptist heritage because of a bunch of wimps, sissies, and cowards. Amen? Amen. Amen. We've got it because of men like over Holmes Men like Shubal Stearns, I could go on down the last, on down Robert Gano, uh, men of God that were persecuted on American soil. Did you know the first blood that was spilled on American soil for martyrdom for persecution, it was Baptist blood that was shed. Uh, them men would take, whip his bread away, and they'd have to drag them home but the next week they'd stand up and preach that saith the Lord again and I want you to know it's time that we quit being a bunch of chickens and whips and sissies and say we're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. By the grace of God, we're going to fight and go on for the glory of God. But then, what can we do? We can elevate our focus. Follow me. He said the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on His throne. Look how he said in verse 4. His eyelids. We need to be careful. How many of us, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because it probably be most of us, have been very distracted by what's going on in the world. Satan does not care how he keeps me from seeing the Lord and looking to Him as long as that goal is accomplished. Ginger, plays softball. And a lot of times, me and we kid around. Me and the—I know y'all can't believe I kid around, but we have a good time with it. So, me and a couple of the dads, we'll get out for about. Hey, we ought to get out here and make. You know, when the other team's batting, you know, and and distract them. You know, Ginger, you know, hitting the ball. You what you gotta do? You gotta keep your eyes on the ball. And you know what the devil is doing all the time? He's trying to distract us. And some of us are so distracted. We're so concerned. All we're doing, we're spending our every day of our life trying to find some hole, some way. We're, try, we're We listen to me. If I see one more chart, if I see, if somebody sends me, by the way, if anybody in here emails me or messages me another one of these charts, let me tell you, I don't know. I don't care about them charts. i listen. I don't. I, I got one the other day. It was from like Uzbekistan or something. I said, I, and, and it was a chart of their COVID. And there's, I, I was like, what? Who? Ca- I don't even care about Uzbekistan. Amen. I live in Dublin, Kentucky. Let's let but if I it doesn't matter if it's a chart it doesn't matter if it's a a, a, a channel on TV Fox News or whatever you, maybe you watch Newsmax maybe your eyes can handle that, that 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 plain definition TV I can't stand it I don't care it could be a radio station it could be podcast it could be the newspaper it could be anything you want to make it listen I'm telling you we need to get our eyes off of all that garbage and put them upon the Lord because the Lord's in his holy Temple. In sports, they talk, talk about having eye discipline. Eye discipline. When you play football, if you play defense, they teach about eye discipline. A good, and I know y'all probably it, the air conditioning ain't where my you is hotter up here than it is down there. Amen. But uh cash, if you play defense and football. Or you play offensive football, the you know what they do? They call it eye candy. And these the good offensive coordinators, this is what they do: they'll have a receiver running from the right to the left, and then when he gets over here, he'll get uh, he'll get up on the line of scrimmage, bro, Larry. And then the quarterback will step back and do one of them numbers, and the receiver will come back, and he'll try it over here this way, and he'll stop, and then he'll pause, and then he'll go back. You know what they're doing? They're not doing nothing. The whole time the ball's going that one over there on that side of the field. But guess what happens when you got this receiver going this way and he steps up here and he does this and he comes back and he motions here. You know what's going on, Brother Justin, over here on the other side of the ball? You know what the defensive backs and the safeties are doing? And you know what they do a lot? They'll be going, audible, look, uh, over here, make, make sure somebody, the ball's going. But you know what that guy there in the booth up there that's got the headset on, you know what he's doing? He's laughing. Because he thinks I got them just where I have them. Because he knows when they say hut, hut, that one that's been dancing and, and jiving and carrying on, he's all he's going to do is stand there and look. And over there on the other side, we got little Jojo over there. Runs a four three five forty, And little Jojo's going to the end zone. And everybody in the stadium was watching this over here. And this over here didn't have nothing to do with the play. I want you to know what the devil's doing right now. He's laughing at every one of us. All right? Cause we're so busy looking at this and looking at that and oh my, oh all this. Did you hear what old Andy did? Did you see? Did you hear about old Falsey? Now, did you hear what Pelosi said? Let me tell you what we need to do is focus our eyes on the living God that sits on the throne of heaven and say, I'm going to be captivated by Him. I'm going to be consumed by Him. I'm going to be concentrated upon Him, and I'm not going to be distracted. We don't need to let the chaos down here think or convince us there's chaos in heaven because there's not. God's not out of options. I believe God can send revival if He chooses. How wonderful would that be? I know some preachers say it can't happen. One thing I've learned, you better be careful what you say God can't do. I believe God can send revival right here. I do. I mean, a real heaven-sent one they write about in the history books. I believe it could be a revival that shook this community, it shook this... I I, I mentioned Shoeball Stearns earlier. You go study the Sandy Creek Baptist Church over there in North Carolina. They was run out of Virginia and... uh, the Northeast; those people were because of how strong they were in their faith and their and their doctrine. And they went down there to Sandy Creek, North Carolina, and God sent a mighty revival of that little church. I believe they had about 138 people there on average. Uh, but by the time Shubal Stearns uh, died, I believe there was over 600 Baptist churches that uh, were started out of one little revival at Sandy Creek Baptist Church. <laughs> I say I believe God can send revival. Amen. You say, how would it if his people that are called by his name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways? Then God would hear and God would heal and God would help us. They say, well, but this is the judgment of God. In wrath, God can remember mercy. Anyway, God could send rapture. I know it's boring, but God can send rapture. I'm looking for the rapture. Are you? Maybe you're a mid-tribber, post-tribber. You're looking for the Antichrist and all that, the treaty and the covenants and the prop. I want you to know I'm not looking for none of that. I couldn't care less who the, who the Antichrist is. I ain't going to be under his rule. I ain't. Don't care. I guarantee you it ain't Joe Biden. He can't live seven years. Impossible. I don't believe he's going to make it through one year being president. I really don't. I'll be honest, y'all, I'm just going to say this. I feel sorry for that man Some some ways. He's so manipulated and, and poor old thing. I mean, I feel sorry for him. Did y'all see him there? I can't, be, I can't help but say it when old Kamala was standing behind him. And, and he said, uh, uh, what did he say? Something about there was 300 Afghan. They had 300 men in the Afghan army. And she went. I thought that's the way my mom used to look at me in church when I said something. I mean, you know, that look like I'm going to whoop you when I get home. But what I'm saying is I'm not looking for the Antichrist. Are you? It's amazing how much people's theology has gotten messed up in the last two years in America. Before COVID, everybody was pre-trib, pre—I mean, they, oh, bless God, gee, gee, I'm not looking for the tribulation. I'm not—I'm looking for the Jesus Christ. He's come. But all of a sudden, brother, really, now I know people that are saying, "Oh, huh, did you see that? That's the mark of the beast." I got news for you—if that vaccine's the mark of the beast, if they put it in the arm of a child of God, it'd shoot right back out. I promise you. I promise you. Amen. You're too fruity. You're a problem and too nutty. You need to get your head screwed on right and realize Jesus is not uh, left and here to go through tribulation he's going to take us out of here could be rapture he says the Lord's eyes focus on these things what the Lord sees where the Lord sits and what the Lord sees his eyelids try now when you want to focus on something what do you do you know what your eyelids do they help focus I want you to know not only is God watching but he's focusing on us what the Lord sees. And by the way, He sees it all. Yeah. He sees behind all the closed doors. He sees the emails and messages that are deleted and disappeared. God sees it all. Yeah. He said in verse 5, I'm trying to finish. About to have a heat stroke. But the Lord tried the righteous. But the wicked him the love violence his soul hateth. Now this ain't Joel Osteen type preaching. This is Bible preaching. So you can't have both. You get the Joel Osteen stuff or you get the Bible stuff. You can't have a boat called Joel Osteen and a Bible preacher. Amen. That's right. I got news for you. We need to focus on with whom the Lord stands. You know who God stands with? His people. Amen. God develops the righteous through these things. He says the Lord trieth or test the righteous. And God despises the wicked. <laughs> the Lord stands with His children. That's what we need to focus on. The Lord's on our side. Why should we fear what man can do unto us? The Lord's on our side. Do y'all still believe that? Have we we let fallacy take that from us? The Lord is on our side. Verse 6 and 7. I'm just going to give you this. Upon the wicked, he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord hath loveth righteousness. His his countenance doth behold the upright. We should be excited for the future. What can the righteous do? Let's get another petition up. Let's go to. The, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. I'm not against none of that, but if we're, if that's what our life, I want you to know that's not what the right, What the righteous need to do is they need to remember and they need to be excited about the future. I want you to see the woes of the sinner. He said. He said he shall rain snares upon the wicked, fire and brimstone. Somebody said, "You." I've had people say, are you a fire and brimstone preacher? Well, the only way to be a Bible preacher is to be a fire and brimstone preacher. Because I got news for you, Dylan. God is a fire and brimstone God. Yeah. They've taken that out of our preaching. And I know independent so-called fundamental Baptist preachers who claim to be old-time religion who never say a word about sin, never say a word about hell. And never say. All they do is get up with a little talk about the valley, a little talk about the trial, talk about the storm, talk about this, talk about that, but they never talk about hell. Uh, I want you to know he said that one day uh, God's going to rain fire and brimstone upon the wicked. People have a hard time swallowing that, but it's the Bible truth. Jesus came the first time with grace, but He's coming the second time with justice. He came the first time to shed His blood for sinners, but He's coming the second time to shed the blood of His enemies. He came the first time and was rejected of men, but He's coming the second time and will reject all those who refuse to trust the gospel. He came the first time and He wore a crown of thorns, He's come the second time wearing many crowns of glory. He came the first time and He was tried by men. But He's come the second time to try all men. Listen to me, I'm about done. Every sin that's ever committed will be either punished by God or pardoned by Christ. Every sin. God's righteous, He's holy, and He cannot and He will not let one sin by. I wrote this down, if a judge knowingly acquits a guilty man, then that judge becomes guilty himself. The woe well upon serious is this, judgment's coming. If you're hearing, you're lost, I'm going to ask you this morning, what are you waiting on to get saved? What more needs to happen? What more needs to take place? I mean, listen, this morning, today is the day of salvation. And now is the accepted time. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Over there in Proverbs chapter 1, he said he called them. He beckoned unto them, and they would not come. He said, Therefore, a day is going to come when they're going to call on me, and I'll laugh at them. Revelations 14, there's a lot of this is controversial, what I'm about to say, but the breath of God is going to kindle the flames of hell, is what it says. Somebody said, how could God put a man in hell? How could God not put a man in hell that reject Jesus Christ? If God allows one person in heaven who's not washed in the blood of Jesus, then God's no longer God. (laughs) I said it's going to be pretty simple. That's pretty complex, but I ain't going to get off in there right now. body temperature's rising. Verse 7. We've been preaching about 45 minutes. It's too long for some, too short for many, but I'm just going to preach to the Lord and tell them to die. For Anyway, for the Lord, for the righteous Lord, love is righteous, His countenance to behold the upright. I'm talking about we should be excited about the future. There's not much excited about people going to hell, not to me at least. But the truth of the matter is God's going to settle the score. And right now it's not our job to try to settle the score. Make things right, make things even. We need to leave it in God's hands, because He will repay. If it was in our hands, we would condemn the wrong one and we'd clear the right. We would condemn the ones that deserve to be cleared, and we'd clear the ones that deserve to be condemned, because guess what? We don't know all the facts. But verse 7: the wonder of the saint is this: we're gonna see his face. That word, his countenance doth behold that right. He's saying that we're gonna we're gonna behold the face of God. Revelation 22 and verse 4, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. What can the righteous do? We can be excited about the future. I can't wait one day I see his face. The Bible says in 1 John 3 that we'll see him as he is. But Larry, the Bible says in Christ, that now we just see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I believe that. Do you? What can the righteous do? And by the way, He said the wicked bend their bow and take aim. Psalm 7, the Bible says that God's got a bow. Amen. One old black preacher said, and God ain't never missed a target. (laughs) The wicked bend their bow at us. Aren't you glad we've got a heavenly father? That pulls back the ball of justice and judgment. And one day he's going to lay, he's going to set things right. He is. Amen. And all these people that are lying and contriving and getting rich right now off of, off of, off of death and off of sickness and off of heartache. God's going to weigh them in the balances. God's going to trust. And we need to rest in that and know that we don't have to vindicate ourselves. God's going to vindicate us one day.